Hi and welcome everyone to CRM Rocks. Today's podcast will be about marketing in dynamic CRM. Before I start, I would like to call out a blog post of mine that's about uh, using click dimensions to create emails, how I started with click dimension and how I used it to create emails and use a little bit extra to add in custom entities and how to expand them using FreeMarker. And uh, you can just look it up in the show notes. And uh, with me today, I have uh, Brad Burks. Brad Burks is Vice President of Sales from Click Dimensions. Welcome, Brad. Hi, thanks for having me, Marcus. Uh, Well, my pleasure. I'm happy to have you. So, uh, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, We're very, uh, very excited about... uh, uh, everything that we're adding to the product and uh, obviously being a part of a podcast like this is uh, really, uh, really exciting for us. Yeah, I'm happy to have you. Um, we're going to talk a little bit here about marketing in Dynamics uh, CRM and, and try to connect it to click dimensions. And if you were to have your first on-site meeting with a customer and you're getting into a workshop or a meeting with them for the first time. What are the big things that you need to know to try to propose a solution to the customer here? That's a great question. So, um, of course, uh, Click Dimensions, um, we are a dynamic CRM uh, marketing automation solution. So we only work with dynamic CRM. So, one of the first things we, we of course, want to know is, are they uh, currently using Microsoft CRM? And uh, if they're not, are they considering it? So, in other words, are they contemplating moving from Salesforce, etc.? cetera? Uh, if the answer is to yes to either of those, then we usually move more into the marketing operations that they have. We, we, we're very curious about what they're currently using for uh, their marketing, what types of marketing that they're doing, as well as how big their marketing team is, because the answers to those questions are gonna really help us curtail the the way that we explain uh, the Click Dimensions benefit um, a little bit differently depending on uh, their size and scope of their marketing. So, so if they're using dynamic CRM, uh, click dimensions have been for many years the recommended solution for marketing inside dynamic CRM by Microsoft themselves. So, I I bet that um, you have to be really proud of that recognition. Absolutely, we're very very proud of our um, you know of our history and of course um, our relationship with Microsoft, uh, but. I think the 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 really exciting thing for us is to see how the partners and customers, the people that really obviously matter to both us and Microsoft, have really um, gravitated to the concept of having one database rather than having multiple databases, which is, is very typical in CRM and marketing solutions where uh, each has their own independent database. And so you have marketing users using the marketing database and you have 
salespeople or, or service users using the CRM database. Uh, and so with Click Dimensions, the way we designed our product being uh, based in uh, Microsoft uh, Azure and being in the cloud, uh, we've been able to uh, create one centralized database uh, repository, if you will, and making that CRM, which makes CRM much more um, powerful than it already is, which is very powerful. Um, but by adding all that marketing intelligence into it, it's uh, it's a deadly combination. One question was how big are the teams and what difference that is really make if it's one or 10 people in the marketing yeah, that's uh, that's a fair fair question. I th- I think that um, in 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 a practical sense, we work with teams of all shapes and sizes. So uh, it doesn't really mean that if they have a very large team that we cannot work with them, or if they have a very small team that we cannot. We have some companies that have one marketer. Sometimes it's the business owner is also the marketer. Very, very small. And then we have larger organizations, but I think it it really speaks to the complexity of their marketing. The larger their team is, the more resources they have, they're likely going to have a bigger budget. They're going to be uh, probably doing more advanced marketing than someone uh, that's only doing it part-time. Okay, so if you're starting out, you have like one or three to five people. Uh, what's important for them? Yeah, I, I think uh, once a team is at three to five people or even you know upwards to 10, they generally have someone that uh, is able to manage their website marketing separate from someone that's doing their email campaigns. Uh, generally, when you have a, a handful of people, they're doing different things, uh, but they're collaborating on the same campaigns. And so uh, that's something that we like because a lot of times those people are using different systems. And this kind of comes back to um, that story of multiple databases and multiple. So, for example, um, a team with three to five people, they may have someone that's managing their website using a tool like Google Analytics or something of that nature. And then they may have someone separate that's uh, sending out their email campaigns and bl- email blasts, as well as they might have a design person that's designing the actual um, uh, templates and web pages and those things. And so uh, being able to get all of those individuals, whether it's three or four or five, using the same system and leveraging the same data that the salespeople are, that's something that we like to really um, highlight when we're when we're talking to those customers. So does it mean that if there are three to five people, they usually sit in this, this same room still? Uh, I, they could or they they may not. Uh, sometimes with this virtual world that we're in, you may have have people that are doing things through Link and through uh, Yammer and, and those things. Um, you know, being with Microsoft being both online or on-premise, um, uh, it's possible they could be separate. But I think you're you probably, in many cases, they will be in the same office at least, maybe not in the same room. Um, is it important for you to propose a solution if they work really close together or more separate on, on different sites? Yeah, I, I think um, 
Not really. Uh, ultimately, if someone's doing side-by-side marketing, that's that's great because they're going to be uh, probably uh, collaborating a lot, uh, where if they're in different offices or different countries even, they may you know, have some some uh, less collaboration. But I think that uh, the beauty of, of, of what we're doing in CRM, CRM um, obviously uh, and Microsoft is providing a lot of collaboration um, options. And so like, for example, in our office, we all use Link um, and we have we have four different offices globally and we're we're all chatting and talking about things that are going on and planning out events and marketing, even though um, we're worlds apart. Okay, so if we're trying to move forward here to to what what types of marketing we're doing right now, does that really matter? Yes, absolutely. I think that um, you know everyone is uh, is trying to get the most out of their out of their marketing these days. Um, obviously, um, a lot of this was born out of. Um, economy issues and, and those things where people are trying to do more with less. And um, and so you hear a lot about uh, the concept of multi-channel marketing now where people are trying to connect the dots between not just their digital marketing, which is their, uh, their emails and their websites, but they're also trying to do uh, direct marketing where they're sending out um, letters and and um, um, brochures and those things, and they're still doing things over the phone and and through different uh, through social media as well. And so, um, ultimately, uh, it's very important for us to know kind of what people are doing now. So, for example, I was talking to a customer uh, earlier today, and they were uh, really wanting to do a little bit more. Uh, than what they have been doing. And when I talked to them, it turned out they really weren't doing very much at all. They were basically doing some quick campaigns out of CRM and um, and they, those, of course, were not tracked, so they had no visibility of whether they were opening or clicking. And they had a website that they had a third-party company managing um, and they couldn't couldn't actually tell how many leads they were getting from the website. It was almost uh, just just having a website to have a website. So um, we love talking to customers like that because by being able to show uh, the power of having uh, trackable emails, but also seeing what they do after they click on the email um, and what they do on the website. But there's there's uh, probably many of your listeners here are you are going to be uh, using email marketing tools and email marketing tools have been around for many years now and there's thousands if not tens of thousands of different email marketing tools out there uh, but what we're finding is that most people are using email marketing and they look at their click rate and they say oh these hundred people clicked on my email so they must be all very interested in my products and my services. But the reality is, is that um, unless you can see what they did after they clicked, 
and have visibility into what they were doing, that may or may not be true. Certainly, they are interested to a point that they've clicked, but with marketing automation solutions, particularly with solutions like Click Dimensions, where you can see the uh, the visit details of what happened after they clicked on the email now and scoring it, now all of a sudden you can see that out of those 100, only 10 of them were really interested because 10 of them went and spent maybe 10 or more minutes on your website and clicked around and looked at your pricing page and those things where the other 90, they clicked and just left left the website after reading that one article. Uh, that doesn't mean that those 90 people aren't interested. Certainly they're more interested than those that didn't click. But those 10 are the ones that your salespeople want to contact. Uh, so that's uh, something that we, we all obviously uh, are very uh, um, uh, fond of. And uh, we definitely try to educate people that, that there's more than just email clicks to be monitoring. So if I've just started and I'm doing this quick campaign emails, sort of email blast really fast and don't really know if people just click or everyone just clicks unsubscribe and I just ignore that and just keep sending them email anyway. Do I scare people away more than I attract people then? Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, we've run into some scenarios like that, particularly in Europe where uh, anti-spam laws are, are even stricter than they are in in uh, other other countries, particularly the U.S., not nearly as strict as uh, in the EU. Uh, it's very dangerous um, to send emails, especially if you're doing emails out of CRM. Uh, you're sending these out through your exchange server. So they're going, whether you're using Office 365 or you're using something local, ultimately you can get, you and your company can be blacklisted if uh, if you start getting a lot of complaints from these individuals that didn't want to necessarily continue receiving your emails, but you didn't give them the opportunity to unsubscribe. Uh, so by uh, having that uh that uh, unsubscribe option and letting those people either opt in or opt out of your communications protects you. Uh, so that's definitely something that's uh, very dangerous if you're not giving your uh, customers the ability to opt in and opt out. Yeah, that that sounds really important and and actually opt out the people who clicked opt out. If the purpose is to reach and getting new customer is that a different from a marketing perspective to keeping and growing existing customers well that's a tough one um i mean certainly uh getting new customers um is 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 obviously something that you're always wanting to do uh, but at the same time i do think that optimizing existing customers is is equally uh, important. Um, and I think that uh, probably most of the people on this call that are selling to businesses in particular uh, probably uh, try to balance that as well, trying to make sure that they're existing customers. But speaking just for Click Dimensions, uh, we're very focused on on our existing customer base. Um, we, 
we provide a lot of uh, uh, live training. Uh, every one of our customers gets a an account manager as well as um, a marketing success manager. Uh, because as a subscription service, which is Click Dimensions, we are a, a subscription service. Uh, we want to keep our existing customers happy. So uh, we have a very high retention rate, and that's something that uh, uh, we want to see continue. So we, in addition to providing really good customer service, we also try to improve the product. So we have a very uh, fast release cadence. We add uh, new features every quarter or every three months. Uh, so our existing customers get those new features free of charge. So uh, they're usually excited to see the product improving. And uh, so some of our customers that have been with us for three, four years, uh, they, they've, they've re- received, you know, probably over a dozen software updates in those those three years. So, so that's something that we try to do to keep our existing customers happy, but we definitely uh, are very aggressive in getting new customers as well. So what would you say if, if I say to you that my most important part here is to, to keep and, and growing my existing customers? Is that something that I have to take into considering when building the the marketing division or or building up my marketing that I sort of do more customer service oriented or is that is that a part of marketing at all? Yeah, that, I think yeah for certain organizations, especially if they're in a, a very niche market, they're going to they're going to want to. Um, Try to get their existing customers more engaged, and there's there's a lot of strategies to doing that with um, with uh, the retargeting options that you have with your website. So um, probably many of your listeners are doing this, and if they're not, I would encourage them to do this. But uh, you have the ability with your your AdWords to uh, track everyone that comes to your website. Um, so after they come to your website, you can give them retargeting messages, which means that simply when they leave your website, they go to other web pages um, just as they're surfing the internet, they'll occasionally see your ads pop up to remind them that, oh, yeah, they um, I was on their website last week. Their ads are popping up and reminding me of things that are important to me. And so certainly with your existing customers, retargeting is a good way if you do have some extra, um, you know, customer-friendly type things to uh, or educational to try to get people to come back to your website and stay very engaged. That's certainly a strategy, but you can also use that strategy for acquiring new customers as well. Uh, so if you have like a customer and you you send them this oh we have this new brand new feature and you notice five percent click the unsubscribe to that oh we have this new brand great feature that we have been really working on and people click unsubscribe to that and that they are your existing customer and you think like "Uh oh well is that too late or is there something i can do yeah, yeah. So that's definitely something that we marketers struggle with is losing someone that we already have 
on our list, basically our audience. Um, so, uh, so many tools, including Click Dimensions, offer what we call subscription management, where you can give someone a, a menu of options. So when they receive your email, they can see what types of emails they're currently receiving from your company. And they can choose, of course, to opt out of all of them, or they may just say, I don't want to get new release updates from these new features that you're in your example. So maybe one of your subscription lists would be product announcements, but then you would have other um, subscription lists around um, special events or, or, or newsletters or those things. And so that way that person would say, you know what, I'm tired. I'm not interested. Those 5% that you mentioned could just unsubscribe from the product announcements rather than unsubscribing from all of marketing's emails. Yeah. So you give them an option not to opt out entirely. So when they're sort of getting tired of that one message that you give them the option to opt out from that and not force them to sign off entirely. So you lo- you lose them. Yep. So how is that different from reaching and getting, yeah, nurturing new customers? Yeah. So you know, new customers are definitely the name of the game. That's why marketers are, you know, that's why you have a marketing department is to try to go out and grow your business. And that's something that our customers were very proud of. Um, do you know the growth that we're able to see in our customers um, um, through using our tool is is very gratifying to us. But uh, to your point, I think that uh, you want to have a message. You want to have a strategy because marketing without a strategy is is just it can be very expensive and it can be a, a complete waste. Uh, so one of the strategies that we are very fond of is the idea of um, doing content marketing where you're providing um, some content that you know your target audience or customers would be very interested in having. And for us, we do that in the form of our ebooks. We do a, uh, some some free ebooks on on ways to better market with Microsoft CRM and we have an ROI guide and we have just some really cool stuff. Uh, And our whole point is that we want people, only people that are interested in Microsoft CRM to download these, these books. So they're designed and they're titled where they would only be attractive to Microsoft CRM customers. So, um, for example, a Salesforce customer would never download a Click Dimensions ebook because it's very specific to Microsoft CRM. And so many of your listeners probably know what their customers uh, look like because they have a lot of them, hopefully. And so you could ask your customers what would be something uh, like a white paper or uh, a book or an ebook or something that would be very beneficial to you and your business, and then create that content. And then what you do is uh, once you've released it, then you start promoting it and you put a form in the beginning of it so they can't get it, they can't get it without giving you their 
you know, name and email address. So that way, they're essentially subscribing to uh, some of your communications. So then you can start nurturing them through the process because just because they download the ebook doesn't mean they're ready to be a customer yet, but you can add them to a nurture campaign where you're asking them, how did you like the ebook? And have you ever thought about doing this to your business? Or have you thought about this type of uh, service that you, that your company provides? And then eventually you hope that they will, um, they will click on the email They'll uh, respond to the email. They'll do something to uh, initiate uh, your sales team to to contact them. Okay, so I, I get it. In in short, that that to try to find a niche either by asking your customers or you already have an idea, you sort of offer that for free or at least get me your info. And, and build sort of your brand and getting leads by offering them that download. Absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly um, the key. And when you have an integrated solution like Click Dimensions, um, you can automate that process of getting the lead created in CRM because um, we have a lead uh, a capture forms and landing pages. And then, of course... Um, either through CRM's workflow engine or through Click Dimensions automation, if you're using Click Dimensions for this, you can notify and create a task or a, a follow-up phone call for your sales uh, person or your team to follow up on, uh, which is a great way to kind of close the loop and, and ensure that nobody slips through the cracks. So would you recommend them posting three or four of these white papers each year or how often would you go? Yeah, so um, having having a fresh I'm, content. I'm just thinking that too often, like once a week and just sending out too many can be too much and if you do it once a year can be to sell them. Yeah, I would say intervals. You know, for us, we do, we do something every quarter, um, whether it's a a webinar event um, or it's an ebook that we've launched. Uh, I think that uh, one of the things that we've done and we've we've uh, encouraged some of our customers to do as well is have a blog. Uh, having a blog on your website is a great way to create content throughout the year and then you can take some of that content and actually create a uh, an ebook or something off of that. So, for example, uh, we have a very popular blog on our website, and we post things there. We have probably three or four people in our organization that will, from time to time, when something comes up, create an article. Uh, and so, what happens is every quarter we go through and we we look to see if there's any kind of uh, relationship between some of the articles, and and then we. We try to take those and actually put them into um, uh, an ebook form. So, for example, our, our uh, marketing idea ebook, which is very popular, we've had over ten thousand downloads of it um, over the last uh, two and a half years since we launched it. And um, what's great is that we refresh it every year. So, 
the first year, I think there was 25 ideas. Uh, and then the second year, it went up to, I believe, 50 ideas. And so we just basically start adding the new uh, marketing ideas to it. So people that download the ebook today will get three years worth of basically uh, tips and trick ideas that we've uh, added to it. Oh, that's really great. And and with the blog that you can have sort of a a more rapid posting that you can probably post at least every week and then you can gather them up in this bigger events if you would like to call them like and and would you say once every quarter so four times a year is is a good yeah i mean it it really depends on you know uh, what you can commit to as a marketing team um you know ultimately if it ha- if it can only be twice a year or only once a year um you know make sure that you stay consistent so that the people that are are um are reading it and liking it that they start anticipating it. So when you think of something like serious decisions or Gartner's, you know, they've been very consistent in releasing their reports to the point, to the point. Yeah. To the point where we all know the day that's coming out and, and we're ready for it. And we all want to know if our companies are listed in it and where they're, where they're listed. That's a, a good example of someone that, has has this piece of content that we're all very familiar with and so it's great if you can be consistent if a if every quarter is too ambitious then just do it every 6 months or or once a year but you want to make sure it's very um relevant and that it, that someone feels like they got their money's worth out of it cuz even though they're not paying you actual money for it they're paying you by giving you their name and email address. And so if the content, if they download it and they go, eh, this was very light on content, if there wasn't really a lot in there, then then they're, they're probably not going to download the next one. Okay, so consistency is actually more important than how often you do it. Uh, that's great to know. And... Is it any difference if you're offering products or services from a marketing perspective? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I think that certainly there's there's certain aspects of service organizations, a lot of service organizations, particularly that we work with, like the Microsoft Consulting Partners and those things, they, they, uh, they may have kind of a, you know, maybe a, a territory that they kind of cover logistically that that they, they have their sweet spot, or maybe it's a vertical industry. Maybe they're very specific to uh, education or financial services or those types of things. But a lot of our, a lot, most of our, um, you know, consulting companies that we work with, they have several different markets that they want to go after. And so for them, it's no different than someone that's selling like actual products that you can hold on to. Uh, They have uh, white papers that they release and case studies for particular industries that they want to go after. And then they can market those white papers and those case studies uh, to people 
uh, whether they're doing ads through social media, which you can do very targeted ads on LinkedIn, where you can uh, target someone based on their job title or their industry or the groups that they're members of on LinkedIn. That's a great way to uh, target if you're in a professional services uh, organization, but it can also be very beneficial if you're in selling products. And some of the products are turning into services like Click Dimensions. If you buy it today, you can buy it per user per month. I get it. Is that correct? You can buy it per user per month. I. Yeah, actually, our product our pricing is based on organization. So a company would just okay. sign up as an organization, and then the pricing is based on usage, so not users. Yeah. If you take uh, Dynamics uh, CRM, then uh, when it started, it, it was a product you bought it, and you had like I don't know CRM three, four, and then you could suddenly offer it online and it was per user per month then it's a service but it's sort of the same thing but one thing is a product one is a service um is more products turning into services nowadays i think uh, definitely and you know with the power of the cloud and and um and mo mobile um access to these tools a lot of tool, a lot of software companies are going uh, online and offering, you know, a SaaS model, which is a software as a service. And so you're you're exactly right. You know, over the last ten ten years or so, there's been a growing. Uh, there's less aversion to cloud-based applications now than there was maybe ten or fifteen years ago, where on-premise was king and uh, and a lot of applications, but now you see even even applications that you would think would never be in the cloud, like banking software and and these things. They're all they're all becoming um, cloud based options. You know, having the ability to and uh, and then you have a lot of hosting partners that are taking your on premise deployment and putting it in a private cloud, and so. Whether it's in a public cloud like Azure or a private cloud, um, I think that SaaS model products um, are, are they're not going to slow down anytime soon. So, if I have a product and I want to turn it into a service that I'm I'm selling cat food, and I want to sell, I I can deliver you to you cat food each month for a. A fixed setting or something is that a particular marketing challenge i think there's a logistic challenge delivering all that cat food but yeah, of course but i do think that you're seeing that i mean even even um you know there's a lot of uh a lot of vendors that used to be storefront vendors and now they're selling online through either their own website or they're selling through uh uh e-commerce sites like Amazon or even private little shops selling through uh, things like Etsy and, and these different uh, options. Um, I've actually, you know, kind of blown away. There's there's even a company that sells, has a monthly subscription to razors for men to shave. And it's like, 
Um, yeah, now all of a sudden you've everything got everything is a service. Yeah, you've got these people that are now marketing, say, hey, you, you know, are you tired of going and waiting in line at the store to get your uh, your razors? Uh, how about we deliver them to you for whatever five dollars a month, yeah. etc. Yeah. Is it the different if you're targeting customers or other companies and business to business, business to consumer? Do you think about the same way when you're doing marketing? Yeah, so we, we work um, with both B2C and B2B uh, clients. Um, I, I think by and large, most of the people that um, are using Microsoft CRM today are primarily B2B, but the B2C side is growing. And I think um, what you see with B2C uh, customers, at least what I've seen, is that um, I wouldn't say they're more sophisticated, but they're definitely uh, more willing to take risks and try new forms of marketing um, where uh, B2B businesses tend to be a little bit slower. So, for example, social media, you know, B2C customers or companies, they realize that when they're selling to consumers, social media is a great way to reach those consumers uh, and so because of that, all of these social media sites like Twitter and Facebook and many others, they now offer uh, advertising options. Uh, so you have these these tools that are dedicated to going out and, and marketing through there. B2B companies were, um, you know, not to paint with a broad brush, but a lot of B2B companies were slower to to use social media as a marketing um, uh, option. And so I, I think that that's one part of that makes B2C and B2B uh, customers a little bit different is that uh, B2C tend to be a little bit more adventurous when it comes to trying new uh, marketing strategies. and But they also have very uh, aggressive um, uh, ROI that they need to have because they're dealing with a much larger uh, customer base than a B2B business would. But if you're thinking about this social aspects, you, you can buy really targeted ads for the sites that you mentioned like LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter because, oh, I want, a, I don't know, CEO in USA have connections to five different people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. I think that what you see is a lot of the social media um, options are getting more business information in your profile, where I think a few years ago, uh, even still today, a lot of the social media are really geared toward the younger audience. And um, so they're not assuming that they have a job or have a relationship with an organization. Uh, but LinkedIn, of course, was a, a big exception to that because LinkedIn is for professionals and certainly they want to relate professionals with other professionals. So uh, with LinkedIn, you can be very targeted because you know the company that they work with, you know the industry that that company is, is with, and you know how many, how big that company is, etc. So LinkedIn is a great uh, option to be very targeted in a B2B sense. 
but Twitter and, and, and Facebook and Google Plus and some of these others, they're, they're still lagging a little bit behind in having the demographics that a B2B marketer covets. Are, money, are many of your customers going to social and putting ads there? Or are they more like an inbound uh, marketing on the social side that they have channels that people can subscribe to or post messages to? Yeah, I think um, we have a, 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 a lot of our customers. I, I wouldn't want to say the exact number because I'm not 100% sure, but most of our customers are at least dabbling in social media advertising. Um, and so we dabbling. have the... Yeah, <laughs> the so there, that's a that's a very high level technical term right there, Marcus. Yeah. But yeah, they're they're at least experimenting with it and trying trying it out. They may not be spending a lot of budget on it, uh, but most companies will have a Facebook page and they will post. Uh, they will they want someone to have the ability to like their organization. And those things, and so Microsoft actually has a social listening tool uh, now, which uh, they acquired a, a company called NetBreeze, which the, now it's been repackaged as Microsoft Social Listening. And the concept there is that I want to know who's talking about my brand on social media outlets, and I want to uh, be able to track that type of. Uh, so they're kind of listening out on social media to see what people are saying about your company. And that's, uh, that's definitely something that uh, I think B2B companies are just now getting around to where um, maybe they had a Twitter feed and they had someone that was monitoring it. So they would see that, you know, Marcus was, you know, tweeting that he was very upset with our company and, now you have someone to go respond to him and say, let's make that right. But then you have bigger companies like, say, Delta Airlines or Coca-Cola. They have literally, you know, probably thousands and thousands of customers out there tweeting whether they like Coca-Cola or they don't like it or maybe they're very mad at the airline. And so it's a full-time job to manage that. And so with having social listening tools, it allows you to – get that um, that uh, brand sentiment out there so that you can uh, tell what people are, are saying about your new product or your new uh, your new thing. Click Dimensions, we don't actually have a social listening tool because there again, Microsoft has a social listening tool, so it would be very redundant for us to have one. Uh, but we do. Uh, do you recommend of- having one or do you recommend them? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think social listening is great. I think it's um, uh, it's certainly something that um, have, provides a lot of benefits regardless of the type of organization you have. But if you have a small business, you may not have a lot of customers. You may not have a lot of customers that are using social media to communicate their sentiment. Uh, so for them, I can understand why they may be hesitant to to go and set up a social media profile and, and and to enable listening. Yeah, and it can be hard if you're really making products that are perhaps not at all known to 
I would like to say ordinary customers, but uh, I don't know if there is such a thing that ordinary customers, but uh, well, if you're making this huge machines or something like that, and yeah, we, we've done this. Um, well, perhaps there's no one to like that or retweet that, or do you still see many pe- customers like that going in that directions? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't think, I don't think I, I actually have a lot of visibility into if they're going in those directions or not. But I do, I do think that if someone has a very small market, like for example, if you're, if you're making parts that go into, for example, the space shuttle, you know, or <laughs> something yeah. where, where obviously it's a very lucrative business, but many people that are out there in the world may have no idea who's making this part that's going into this bigger um, bigger machine. And so for them, I, I, I certainly can understand why they, they may not see social media as a, as a real marketing opportunity, uh, but those are those are still very few of those companies. There's obviously, by and large, I think most of the people listening to this podcast will will have at least some use case where they could uh, utilize um, social media for marketing, whether it's just inbound and they're tracking uh, who's coming to their website through these social media, or if they're doing something more targeted where they're listening out um, to the wider, you know, Twitterverse, etc., to hear what people are saying about them. So, how do you pick a channel or pick channels? Yeah, so that's that's another good, a great question. There, uh, multi-channel marketing is is of course um, very topical right now. Everyone wants to do more, um, and I think for us, digital is still the uh, least expensive form of marketing and it's definitely uh, a way to get your brand and your name out there so we would always recommend uh, web and email marketing as, as being a great way to 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 get your marketing going if you're not doing anything fortunately most of our customers that we run into are doing some form of digital marketing they may not be doing it as well as they could with Click Dimensions, but they're at least doing it. Um, but for small startup businesses where maybe they are services driven, they're not, they don't have products that they can sell online and sell across the world. They have something that's very regional or local or services that are local and regional. For them, I still think direct marketing and whether it's direct mail or phone marketing, those things are, are still very, very uh, interesting for um, for those types of companies. Is it any different if it's like email or printed? I mean, if you try to make a template, uh, do you put in more work in a printed or in an email? Or is there a di- marketing perspective on that? Yeah, I don't think there's more work necessarily. I mean, I'm I'm sure that I'm probably you know missing some some aspects. There might be a marketer listening to this going, Brad, you you don't know how hard it is to get a postcard out, but that's a lot, you know. But I think as far as the design, to answer your question, there shouldn't be a huge 
huge uh, difference in in what you're you're doing to make those mark those different marketing channels work. But there is a difference in cost. Certainly, to send out a uh, postcard or a brochure to everyone in a in a certain city or zip code or country code that could be very expensive. Uh, but since most companies are going digital, there's fewer fewer companies sending traditional mail. Uh, so I don't know if you've looked in your mailbox lately, uh, Marcus, but there's not as much mail in there as there probably was five or ten years ago uh, just because companies have taken that budget from traditional mail and went to email and online marketing. I think that's too. And, and um, newspapers around here in, in Sweden where I live and the market that I know are feeling that uh, move, that um, marketing money are moving from traditional media like printed um, yeah, newspapers and going to the web. And a lot of newspapers in here in Sweden have problem or have had problem. Some have overcome it. Some have still are struggling. Is it same in the U.S.? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I, I ultimately think the traditional mail is going to have a or traditional marketing is going to have a resurgence. Um, at some point, marketers are not going to get the ROI from digital marketing that they that they want or were promised, and they're going to go back to traditional marketing to see what's out there and what they can get. The um, and uh, I I I think that's not a bad thing because ultimately, when all your competitors are doing the exact same things that you're doing, you know, to differentiate yourself by picking up the phone and calling potential customers or sending out a mailer or doing a, a, a newspaper ad or uh, even, you know, different uh, television ads and billboards and those things. The problem with traditional marketing has been it's it's very difficult to see the the results of your campaign because once it goes out, you know, unless you have a uh, a way of tracking them once they come in, like for example, a special phone number that they call, which you would know that they would only call if they saw your ad in the newspaper. Um, it's harder to then go to your CEO and say, "Yes, we spent we spent." $10,000 on this campaign and we think that we did pretty well but we're not sure uh, where digital marketing it's you know with tools like click dimensions and other tools you know it's, it becomes a lot easier to see okay we had a thousand clicks and we had a, a thousand visits to our website and all of these things were scored uh, so that's where uh, I think Traditional media is has has had a trouble as far as showing that return on investment. I'm seeing more and more QR codes on the commercials like that. If you have a printed version, then you have a QR code. Scan this to know more. And there you have this special ticket that you can find out, oh, they come from this ad. You see that too? Absolutely. QR codes as well as... Uh, pearls or personalized URLs are 
are very much really the answer for those people that are using traditional media. And uh, I think they, they work great. Yeah, I was thinking, uh, well, if you want to do an, an email blast, it's really easy to do 1,000 of them and just send them out exactly the same or, or have a template. Good morning, first name. Um, but if you write like that you say a personalized email and you sign the envelope and post it to 30 people, or, uh, you can really set yourself aside from all the rest because people are not used to getting that anymore. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great way to differentiate. I actually got a, a mail piece from someone. It was a handwritten note congratulating us we had uh, won uh, an award in our city i'm our company is based out of uh, atlanta georgia in the united states and um we won an award as being one of the fastest growing companies in our city and we got a uh, i received a, a letter in the mail uh handwritten out by a local vendor congratulating us on our award and trying to see if we might uh, be interested in in working together or using some of his uh, his um, you know services and goods and it was it was it was a very nice touch um, you know ultimately what he uh, was providing we weren't really in the market for but had we been in the market for it uh, he definitely would have been the first person we would have called. Yeah, and, and that go back to what you said, standing aside and not doing exactly the same as your competitors, trying to find an edge. Yeah, if you really know who to target, then perhaps writing those emails by hand, wait one week and then call them and see, did you get a letter? Perhaps everyone just say, yes, we did. We saw it. We read it. Perhaps they didn't respond to that, but they did read it. They, they know about you. Yeah, so we have uh, our own take on that. Um, so we have what a feature called Inbox Cast, which basically lets um, someone type up an email in their uh, their email tool that they use, whether it's Outlook or they're maybe they're using Gmail or something of that nature. They can type out their email, um, and Using Click Dimensions, uh, they can actually send it to a Microsoft CRM marketing list. And so what will happen is uh, you go in the marketing list, and let's just say you do a, a query on all of your your customers that have over 100 employees and they're in a certain city or country. Well, once you have that list, there's an inbox cast button that we have in, in the tool you click on and it gives you a unique email address for that marketing list. So now I just take that email address and go to my Outlook, type up my email like I was just writing it to one person. I send it to that email address and then Click Dimensions will take that email and actually send it out to all of the members of that marketing list in CRM. So when the person receives it, it looks and feels just like a one-to-one -one email that the person that created it typed directly to them. It doesn't look like uh, you know a template or an email that 
would be sent out to thousands of people, but that's actually what happened. It went out to hundreds or thousands of people, and now I can see who opened it, who clicked on it. I get all the statistics from that email just like I would from a very graphical email. So that's a, a, something, a very popular feature that we have, which allows someone to that doesn't know how to make really advanced templates. Yeah. Graphical marketing. Yeah, exactly. They could just use something that looks and we kind of talk talk about it as a stealth way to market. So because uh, the recipient would have no inclination that it was sent out to more than him or her. Yeah, and it's clever because um if you perhaps uh, uh, sometimes you get this blast and you can see that, oh, they used the, the blind carbon copy, the BCC of the email to send it to more than me because I can't find my name there. It's not a two field. So I know it's, <laughs> it's more than me who received that. Um, yeah. So that's, that's a clever trick to, to go around that and actually see and get the follow ups that, oh, who is really interested in that? So if you, Picking channels here, digital, yeah, then there was banners and emails. Do you have like people saying, oh, we want a, a sign on the streets too? Is that asked for? Not not typically from us, uh, just because that's a very localized marketing effort. Um, we, yeah, it is. We, yeah, we don't... Um, we don't hear as much about that, but if you're asking me if I think it's effective, you know, I just because Click Dimensions doesn't provide it doesn't mean that it's it's not a uh, very relevant to some of our customers. But you know, uh, I think that uh, depending on the industry, depending on you know the the customers that you're going after, you know, doing traditional banners or street signs or highway signs here in the U.S. because there's no shortage of highways. Um, yeah. Those those types of things um, uh, still exist and are very important. I, I would just say that if you are using those types of traditional media, or, um, media to market, you want to have some way to determine if it worked for you or not. And so I would recommend having a uh if you're sending them to a website you know send them to a specific web address that you know that only people that saw that sign would come from if you're asking them to call a, f a phone number have a dedicated phone number just for that ad uh, so that way you can at the end of the day you can at least measure how many calls came in on that phone number or how many visits came to that web page to, to get an idea as far as how many people it it uh, it uh, drove to your company and and if you have like uh, um, you're marketing your brand in the same way and uh, and you have a even though you have a specialized URL do you think it's important to measure before so that you can know that even though we put up this ad and added a special URL to it, they found a way into other areas that we didn't anticipate. So that if you measure before and measure during and measure after, you can sort of get that. Yeah, I, I think that's where, you know, a tool like Click Dimensions can make a big difference because we're going to track the entry page. 
so we'll know where the page originated. So even if they ended up going somewhere that you had not intended, um, you can tell where they started that particular visit. Uh, so we track that entry page. So that way, now if you're saying that someone may enter somewhere else and find their way there, there's ways to prevent that from happening. Like, for example, if uh, this is where landing pages can be very effective. A landing page is, is really a, a dedicated page that's going to talk about one specific topic. It's different from your regular home page on your website where you have multiple topics and multiple links. You really want them to only have one way in and one way out of your landing page so, because then you can track conversions because if you send someone to that landing page and the only way they can get there is by going directly there or going from an email that you've sent them, um, then you can track all right, how many people made it there? Um, but then you can track if you have a call to action on that page, like a form or a survey or something of that nature, then you can really track, okay, we had a 1,000 people come to the page and we had 500 people fill out the form. Thus, we had a 50% conversion rate. And so those are things that uh, people are, very familiar with when it comes to online uh, marketing, but can be very effective for traditional marketing as well if you're sending them to a web page, for example, a landing page. So when we're discussing return on investment here in ROE, uh, how long time span do your customers have before they say, well, we need an ROE of this in this timeline i think people want our they want to see roi immediately <laughs> you know they're <laughs> well they're, of course but <laughs> yeah they're definitely wanting to measure that roi i think you know realistically people will give their marketing campaign some time before they will pull the plug on it or 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 uh, declare it a, a success or a failure um uh, but as long as you have the ability to measure it and that's uh, something we talk a lot about in our ROI guide, how you can uh, connect your source campaign with your opportunities in CRM. So that way when the opportunity is closed, now you can see how many of those uh, dollars came from that particular source. And uh, that's something that uh, can be done right inside the CRM, which makes a lot of sense because if you're using CRM to manage your sales and your opportunities, it makes sense to be able to categorize those opportunities based on the, uh, the, the marketing that was behind it. And that's where a lot of the tools that are out there now, they're independent of your CRM. And so what they want to do is they want to run the entire campaign and all of the, uh, all the results in that marketing tool. And then at the very end, once they're a qualified lead, then they will then send it over to the CRM tool. Um, that concept works, but ultimately uh, we feel like ours is better because we're creating that lead in CRM. So sales and marketing are able to work those together. Uh, so the salesperson 
has visibility from the very first day rather than waiting until they're farther along in the sales cycle to introduce the salesperson. How long campaigns do you recommend? Is it a week, a month, six months, or is it totally dependent on what you do? Yeah, I mean that that would be hard to hard to advise someone, but I, I definitely think for digital or online marketing, they're they're going to hopefully be able to tell a lot sooner than they would with traditional marketing. So uh, I would say typically a few months for your online marketing, but you want to be tracking that. From the very first day, where for your traditional marketing, whether it's um, uh, printed mail or it's billboards or signs or or newspapers, you probably want to give it a little bit longer, maybe um, a few months longer, maybe six months before you can really tell if you got good return. Otherwise, you could. Uh, you could tell the newspaper to stop running your ad and miss out on on some some business that you never were able to get. I know of uh, we have a story that we like to tell. It's, it's it's kind of funny because obviously we're a marketing automation company, but when when uh, LinkedIn first started doing ads, it was around our first year in business, so several years ago. And we thought this could be very lucrative, so we paid for some ads, and uh, we wanted them to populate with anyone that was a part of the Microsoft CRM uh, Dynamic CRM group. And so our ads started populating. We were spending money and getting very little traffic out of it. Um, truthfully, it was a very new concept, so people weren't. Even aware that LinkedIn was doing ads at that time, it was still so early. Well, we ended up we ended up uh, shutting off our ads. We just said, you know what, the market's not ready for it. We'll try it again later on. Well, literally the next day after um, after we had turned it off, I closed a deal, and we were able to see that it originated from our link one of our LinkedIn ad clicks. So it was only a few matter of minutes before we reactivated that LinkedIn ad. It was only down for a day, but the money we made from that one deal more than supported our our, our budget for that, that particular uh, service. So monitoring and measuring and, and looking at your campaign while it's going is, is really important then? Yeah, absolutely. Um, having visibility into the into uh, the impressions you're getting, the the uh, responses that you're getting, and being able to be agile and and shifting things around if it turns out that you don't feel like you're getting. So, for example, let's say you have a a call to action form and you're getting a lot of interest to the page but nobody's filling out the form, it could be an issue with the form. You may want to say it's too much information. Maybe we just want to ask for first name and last name and email rather than phone number and company name. And those, and, right, uh, exactly. Address and, yeah. Right. Okay. 
So if if this was your first meeting with a new customer and we have had this discussion and going through all of this considering, would you be able to come up with a solution and do recommendations to a customer after this? Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, once we've identified what what their objectives are, and we can hopefully identify what some of the pains that they have, um, we're able to provide you know kind of a uh, a solution that would fit the problem that they have. You know, it's definitely traditional solution selling. For us, we have a lot of customers that are are not using an integrated system. So it's the real key for us is do they see the value in making CRM that one database of record? Or do they don't or or, or do they not see the value and they think that two systems managing two systems or three or four or five systems is okay. Uh, that's really where we have to identify if 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 they they see CRM as being uh, that one solution that they want to use. So do you feel that we have missed anything here important for this one first meeting? No, I think it was a really good discussion. Um, the one thing I would like to uh, to suggest to your listeners is if, if they're looking for ideas and ways to better market and, and maybe uh, some of the topics we talked about weren't really um, exactly what they were looking to find out. I would definitely encourage them to go to um, our idea website. Uh, it's called uh, www.ideaconference.com. So we did a conference uh, about three months ago, and uh, we had a lot of uh, guest speakers on there talking specifically about ways they use Microsoft CRM uh, to market. And um, there's a lot of uh, really nice examples, um, whether it's you're looking about to learn about social media or email marketing or nurture campaigns. Uh, each one of them is broken down into 30-minute uh, sections, so it's easy to consume. And uh, it's absolutely uh, free to go in there and watch and listen to those uh, videos. All right, great. I think that wraps it up. Is there anything else that you can point people to if they're interested in? Yeah, click uh, click the mentions, follow you on Twitter, find your blog, go visit the homepage. All yeah, the, all the links will be in the show notes. Absolutely, that's right. So go to uh, our blog for sure. Download any of those eBooks that I talked a lot about, and of course the Idea Conference uh, uh, website would be a great resource. Okay, thank you for your participation in Sierra Rocks, Brad. Thanks for having me, Marcus. And thanks to you for listening. And don't forget that you can comment on CRM Rocks. And if you like this, you can just subscribe. Just search for CRM Rocks in your favorite uh, podcast app and you will find it. See you next time on CRM Rocks.